Welcome back, everybody. Wow, wow. Ben, you were first this time. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen with big dudes in the trenches. Like, keep things fresh for you. <laughs> oh, man. We have a lot to talk about today. So I kind of want to just dive right into it. But unfortunately, we have to start off with some really bad stuff. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> no way to go about around that one. Um, first of all, as you know, John Madden passed away not that long ago. Um, at the very least, Madden 23, all three versions of Madden 23 will have John Madden on the cover this year. So that's nice. That is about the only thing EA has done right in about the past 10 years. And yes. and I love it. It I love the legacy that this is going to portray down. This is absolutely absolutely fantastic. We know for sure that the uh, image on the right when we have like it was official that will be uh, one of the covers. That's an homage back to the original Madden NFL football game or John Madden football, I think is what the actual title was. Yeah. Uh, where he is busting through the whiteboard with the football. Uh, it shows a much younger John Madden. The the one on the left, uh, if you can see the little logo down in the bottom right hand corner, that's Pro Football Focus. They went and put this together. I personally like it. Um, I would love to see a, a 23 more in the style of his scribbles. Uh, than this, although this is this is pretty damn close, and it's worth mentioning that this is the first time since 2000 that John Madden has been a grace to cover of the game, and uh, you know I got it for you guys. Here it is, Madden 2000. And if you uh, don't feel old yet, yes, this is an N64 cartridge. So uh, congratulations Beautiful. if you knew what that was. Beautiful. I win. <laughs> don't you have like a, you just bought. Nintendo 64 I recently. Do. I do, and I yeah. did, yes. These are, these nice. are packs. Beautiful. Love it. <laughs> what I don't love is the news coming around the NFL right now, uh, most of which so far is, like, really bad. Um, Jeff Gladney, 25-year-old, former first-round pick from the Minnesota Vikings, uh, and just signed with the Arizona Cardinals this offseason, has passed away in a car accident. Um, I don't like this. Please make it stop. I mean, you you said it right there, man. I I don't think anybody likes it. We all just want it to stop. I it it's a tragedy. Um, I I have nothing really really more to say. I feel bad for him. Thoughts and prayers go out to his family. Um, man, it's got to be difficult for him, but that's that's a tough one. Yeah, I really hate how cliche thoughts and prayers has become because, I mean, right now it's really true. I really do wish the best for his family. And I know this is a really terrible time to have to say that. Uh, same thing, same news, essentially, for Marion Barber. Uh, Marion the Barbarian, 38 years old, found dead in his apartment. Um, I don't want to talk about this anymore. This is terrible. At the same time, I want to remember Marion Barber. Um, yeah. 
he was he was one of the great running backs of, for us growing up. But uh, yeah, I just want to move past it. Ben, I keep seeing you keep seeing you tease it there. We can yeah, throw it out keep, there now. I keep wanting to put it up here. Something to lighten the mood a little bit before we get into some more NFL news. But yeah. yes, I fully agree. Madden should probably just be a twenty dollars DLC instead of a sixty or double the price game. Um, yeah, one hundred percent. Especially since twenty-one to twenty-two, all they did was, oh yeah, nothing. They right. didn't update later anyway. At the same time, I feel like EA is going to only publish one hundred eighty-dollar editions with Madden on the cover. <laughs> I would, I would believe that, and, and I don't know if we mentioned it. The official drop uh, of what all the covers are going to look like is going to be tomorrow at uh, five p.m. Yes. Pacific time. Uh, you can go check that out live on their YouTube. I think is where uh, they're going to be broadcasting that. Uh, the or same place they had the... follow Twitter or follow right. Twitter. Um, uh, so that actually means if you're listening to this audio version, it will already be out, and you can go check those out. Uh, but if you're watching us live on Twitch, like you should be, or like, Facebook, like our friend Torque is, yeah, uh, yeah, it'll be tomorrow. <laughs> so we're done with sad stuff. I hate sad stuff, and we're moving on. Uh, Stefan Tuit is retiring. Um, not, not sad <laughs> necessarily. <laughs> yeah. There's reason uh, for retiring, kind of. Eight years in the NFL, he just finished his degree at Notre Dame, actually. And he said this was really one of the big motivators for him moving on from football. Also, his brother passing away last year um, was a big reason he missed most of the season last year as well. And so the Steelers were very supportive of him. As Honestly, if I ever had the chance to play in the NFL, I would hope at this point it would have been for the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the best organizations in all sports, how they run themselves, how they handle players' situations like this. It's the best in the world. Yeah. So, Stephon it's out. Uh, is kind of a hole for the Steelers now on that defensive line. At the same time, you know, you only really had one great season. Honestly. <laughs> uh, well, hey, if other... you're Malcolm Butler, you can make an entire career out of one play. So you don't have to bring him up every time we talk I do. about NFL I do. players. I feel like I do. <laughs> I mean, in his defense, how many guys are really going to take that spot? How many guys that aren't in the league are going yeah. to fill his role? Right. That's fair. Right. Does he have an elevated status? Yeah. Is he still <laughs> a, is he still a good NFL player? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. He's better than me. I'll tell you that. Uh, the other defensive tackle who is being brought up around retirement news, is Aaron Donald. Uh, he's played eight years in the NFL. He has said for a long time, basically ever since he was in college, that he wanted to play about eight years and get out. And people had thought this was um, about winning the Super Bowl. And he said, actually, winning the Super Bowl was amazing, and I would like to experience that again. So if we can work out a contract extension, I'll totally be back to try to win another one. At the same time, if we don't get it worked out, I'm cool retiring. This has been my goal all along. So fascinating coming out of the Rams organization. And even if Aaron Donald retires right now, he is a lock for the Hall of Fame. I was about to say, I think he's got a Hall of Fame career in an eight-year career, which is insane, especially for a defensive end like that. I mean, really, defensive ends kind of short-sell. He plays everywhere on the the defensive front. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of retirement, uh, Colin Kaepernick's back. Kind of. Kind of. (laughs) He had one workout. The Raiders seemed to like it at the same time. They definitely did. Um, They did come out and announce that Derek Carr knows this is his team, right? But it's just hilarious to me. Bringing in Colin Kaepernick for a workout at all. I mean, all the power to him. If he can come back and make a roster and work his way back on, that's the right way to do it. Don't just complain that you don't have a job. Um, so I I support this all the way through. If he, if he can make it work, he can make it work. That's all there is to say. Yeah, I mean, like uh, like I mentioned last week, his willingness to come back as a backup uh, is definitely working in his favor. And finally, actually going to a workout with an NFL team, with NFL team representatives present, and not making a big show and dance around, you know, making sure everything was on his terms. Uh, I got to give him credit. He's finally actually showing that he wants to actually play and not play only under X, Y, Z conditions. Right. We'll see, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, though, Kenny Pickett out here working. Pittsburgh Steelers, first round draft pick, is also playing third team in OTAs right now which I think is great, and I don't know why it's a huge story. I mean, yeah, he's a first-round pick. They also brought in, I don't know, Mitch Trubisky, and they still have Mason Rudolph, who started games for them. So Kenny Pickett's the young guy, doesn't know anything. Makes total sense to me. I love that we're finally seeing a rookie have to earn his entire way instead of a first-round pick being handed some things, like we've seen very recently. I mean, are you falling for this, or – or do you actually think he's going to start on the third team offense at the beginning of the season? I think it is a legitimate competition is what this says. And I like that. I think I they like have three backup quarterbacks on their roster. Right. That's kind of, yeah. Right. <laughs> and my, they might my be in position was... to draft a real starter next year anyway. So my, my thing with that, though, is out of those, yes, they have three backups on their roster, there's one with the highest potential. That's the one that I see starting right away. Um, and that to me, that is Kenny Pickett, and I do believe that it'd probably be too early for him, but that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, so we got a question coming in right now. Yeah. Which is about like the other this. team in Pennsylvania. And we might as well just go ahead and talk about it right now. Uh, what one move could the Eagles do to make it the Super Bowl? I don't know if there's a single move. I think the my concept in general would be get younger on defense. <laughs> yeah, it can't hurt. Or maybe uh, stay healthy on the offensive line. Try that too. I would say win the division puts you in a really good spot. I you I, know, and it, I think the thing too is it's a very wide open division. So I. We're going to get into NFL previews at some point closer to the season. Yes. But as it sits right now, and maybe this won't be the case by the time we get there, but as it sits right now, I do think the Eagles have to be my pick for the division. Part of it's because the Cowboys are kind of questionable. The Commanders are not good. And the Giants are equally not look, good. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Eagles look like they've had the best. Coming out of the offseason, I think we actually had the Eagles as the best of the NFC East as well. And I don't know what's going to elevate them to a level that they could make the Super Bowl this season, though. So you, once you get to the playoffs, you never know. So winning the division, I think, is a good step. So I'm I'm going to go ahead and the way this reads to me is I think he's looking for a player move. And I want to preface this with I don't think Jalen Hurts is the problem for the Eagles. However, I'm going to take the easy road here and say if you get a game-breaking quarterback with that wide receiver core that you do have out there, that would go a long way to to making a Super Bowl run for you. I do think there's a lot of moves you need to to make on the offensive line. I do think there's a lot of moves you need to make on defense. But if we are talking a singular move with where they sit today, go get yourself someone like, yeah, as much as Ben hates to admit it, go get yourself someone like Aaron Rodgers. Go get yourself someone like Tom Brady, right? It's one of those two two players, I think, if you, again, Jalen Hurts not the problem. He's got high potential, high ceiling in the future. But if you're making a singular move for the Eagles to win the Super Bowl, that's the move I'm making. I'm going after a top-end quarterback. Yeah, but who's really available? Who's available? Yeah. This is a a hypothetical as it is. Fair enough. Maybe the real answer is getting an actually good front office head coach. (laughs) And then you don't have a bowl in a couple of years. I mean, not right now. (laughs) We'll see. All right. So let's get back into our regularly scheduled programming. That was a fun aside. Um. Now, we need to talk about some other quarterback news. So, speaking of Kyler Murray, he's back at OTAs for Cardinals, which, of course, was a big deal for some reason. It shouldn't have been, but it was. That's all we have uh, to say about that. Uh, <laughs> Deshaun Watson had another allegation against him. That breaks it up to 23. I don't know if this is since it all started, or just another one adding your name to the list. But the fact that we have another one is probably not a good sign for him playing at all this season. Which is interesting, because I feel like it was two or three days ago the NFL said they were close to the end of their, or they completed their investigation, concluded their investigation, and were waiting to figure out what punishment was going to be levied, if any. Uh, so for this to come out after all that gets done, uh, not not great for Deshaun Watson. I just hope to God. I don't like Doug said. We don't know when this was. I just hope to ever loving God, this was not him doing the same stuff after the first twenty two allegations came out. I can't rule it out, and I I don't know what to believe, but but yeah, um, <laughs> I that's the only thing I can hope for at this point. At least Jerry Judy had all his charges dropped, so that's good. Thank, thank God. I, Sorry, that case really annoyed me because the only reason it was anything at all is because he was in a relationship with the girl that the issue was with. He got criminal tampering, which happens. He locked his, her crap in her car and took the keys, which is kind of funny. Um, there was an argument going on, but because they were intimate partners in Colorado, that's an automatic domestic violence enhancer, even though nobody was hit. Nobody was threatened. Nobody felt unsafe. Just automatically by the police department, uh, it's it's a domestic violence enhancer. So I'm glad all of these got dropped and he's 
able to walk free and not have that stain on his career. And yeah, out of all the bad stuff, people leaving the NFL, people trying to find their fight their way out of the NFL with legal issues. Uh, Akeem Hicks just got signed, so that's cool. Yay! <laughs> the Buccaneers have another defensive tackle, as if they needed Akeem Hicks. Let's Stop just replace Indomitian Sue with younger, uh, arguably better Indomitian Sue and Akeem Hicks. Uh, At this the point only, in his career, probably better, yes. He, he's better than Indomitian Sue is right now, yes. Uh, also doesn't have the violence on the field thing. I will say the only drawback to Akeem Hicks and potentially why he was waiting around for a contract so long, I don't know the last time he played full season. Couldn't tell you. So, the Bucks seem to have a great training staff down there as long as he doesn't have a serious injury. Uh, even even if he has something minor, he'll probably be back. I mean, we've seen it with Gronk the past two, three years. So, two years, sorry. Missing a few games, coming right back. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it works. And it's unfortunate that the Buccaneers just got that much better. Good luck if you are a fan of any other team in the NFC South. Well, first off, no other team in the NFC South other than maybe the Saints were actually going to be competitive this year. So, yeah. Thanks. Great, great addition there, Doug. Yeah. I was wanting to point out that Akeem Hicks played three back to back to back full seasons, 2016, 2018. Uh, to, yeah. So, was that before he was at the Bears? 2019 and 2020, he did not. Right. He was on the Bears for those three full seasons and then missed most of 2019. Played 15 games in 2020. So, not as bad as you remember. 2021 was pretty rough, though. Yeah, I think 2019, he broke his arm. It was just good Actually, stuff. it was pretty fucking disgusting. But <laughs> That's not good, good stuff. No. Stuff. no. <laughs> yeah, be, yeah, let's just get to college news. Come on. What are we waiting for? <clears throat> NFL's depressing this week, dude. All right. College news. We have some fun stuff, at least. I want to start us off with yesterday, as we're doing this live, and Tuesday, as you're listening to this, um, UCF just got a new naming rights deal for their stadium. It's 10 years, like $20 million. UCF's coming up with the Big 12 in style. Eh, I, I think the bounce house was kind of uh, ridiculous to be an official name, but it made it unique. Uh, being one of the smaller stadiums in FBS and definitely one of the smaller stadiums uh, in Power Five in, in the Power Five conferences, which they will be here uh, next year. So going from Bounce House SCB Mortgage Stadium, everybody's still going to call it Bounce House. I have no doubt about that. Right. SCB Mortgage Stadium, man, that's kind of that's kind of a lame one as far as they go. Yeah, but here's the thing: with that now additional two mil per year. You can really go in, as Doug said, go into the Big 12 in style and do what every stadium loves to do and just buy the biggest scoreboard and have it installed yes, all the way around. 100%. Just a wraparound scoreboard all the way around the stadium. Like, that's <laughs> the only thing I can think of what can come out of this. But I, I really geez. hope that happens now. <laughs> this, is we'll also, a scoreboard. this is also the third name in, what, three or four years around at UCF? <laughs> is it was Spectrum Stadium before Bounce House like, Entertainment got their like rights two or minutes. something? Yeah, yeah, but but now it's going to be ten years as 
FBC Mortgage Stadium. I mean, somebody supposedly. Pays more. Supposedly. <laughs> somebody right, pays we'll see more. what happens. <laughs> um, staying, I guess, in Florida, Alonzo Highsmith has just left the Seattle Seahawks to become the general manager of football operations for the University of Miami. Cool. He played for the U. He is from Miami originally. He won a national championship with the Hurricanes. Ended up being drafted third overall by the Oilers. Had a pretty successful NFL career. And has been on the front offices of the Cleveland Browns, Green Bay Packers, and the past two seasons with the Seattle Seahawks. So he's coming in with a whole lot of experience. And I think this is a really great move for the U for a whole lot of reasons. This is a home run for the U, and it's a home run for the U because of what they the the, the vibe they've been pushing this offseason. They've been going out, getting a lot of their former players, bringing them into the coaching staff, bringing players home. They're they're really building that U almost family, like for lack of a better term. That's kind of what they're trying to build out, and they're doing it well with a lot of good staff members. Uh, they've had a fantastic offseason, uh, spring ball all the way through recruiting recovery. Once they brought in Cristobal, this is absolutely outstanding. I love everything about this. The only one I'm waiting for is when Frank Gore hangs up the boxing gloves. I'm waiting for him to end up down there because something tells me they're not going to let him go anywhere else. I don't know. His son's playing at Southern Methodist. Or not Southern Methodist. Southern Mississippi. So, we'll see. Good, good for his son. By the time Frank hangs up his boxing gloves, his son will be in the NFL. I don't know. Maybe he only has like another fight in him. Maybe he doesn't last that long. We'll see what happens. <laughs> you have met Frank Gore, right? No, have you? <laughs> no, but I've seen him play for 20 years. True. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Alonzo Heisman is coming to the U at a time when they essentially cleaned house, right? They got a new athletic director. They got basically everybody new in the football side of the operation, including a completely new coaching staff. One of the guys that they let go is athletic director Blake James, who is now going to take over Boston College, which is a good move for them, too, because, hey, he's originally from that area up in the Northeast. And his first job as an AD was at Maine, and now he's heading to Power Five territory at Boston College. Has some experience at private schools as well. And was willing to accept a massive, massive buyout penalty if he were to leave Boston College before the end of his deal. Uh, because they Boston College now has gone through, this is their third athletic director in about five years, moving on to bigger jobs. And Boston College is like, hey, we would like some stability here, please, somebody. So, <laughs> so Blake James is going to be here a while, it sounds like. Uh, Pat Kraft is heading to Penn State. He's Boston College's former athletic director. Uh, Penn State's athletic director, Sandy uh, Barber, is retiring. And... Pat Kraft is heading there. Penn State is having to pay Boston College about $2.5 million in the buyout, uh, which is kind of unprecedented for an athletic director. So apparently Blake James' buyout is even bigger than that because they would like to keep somebody. 
God damn. There's nothing to say, but God damn. Right. Absolutely brutal. So Boston College is getting more money for their athletic director than UCF is for their stadium naming rights. In in one in one year. Love to see it. Love to see it. I think that does it for college news, though. I'm going to try to go through uh, non-NFL pro news and uh, previews and reviews as quickly as possible. Starting off in the USFL, there's two more weeks left in the regular season after this one. Uh, the Stallions and Generals have both clinched playoff first. Shocker, the undefeated team and the one-loss team uh, have clinched playoff first. Uh, everybody should be surprised. I know I, I am. Uh, the Stars and the Breakers, they can clinch this week. They are probably the only two other teams that have looked uh, enjoyable to watch, shall we say. Uh, the Breakers are going to need the Bandits to lose or to beat the undefeated Stallions at home. So we'll see what happens there. The Stars, they're playing the 1-6 Panthers. Their path looks uh, significantly easier. And actually, I don't know that that would make either of them clinch. Uh, because both teams would be five and three. So if the Breakers lose and the Stars win, things are going to get very, very interesting moving forward. And we might have some drama, especially if the Bandits win. Last but not least, in the news section, tickets for the championship game in Canton, Ohio, are selling for $20 a piece, which is only about $5 more than uh, what they're going for in Birmingham. So if you're around the Canton area, Make a weekend out of it, right? It's going to be a 4th of July weekend. Go catch a football game. Go check out the Hall of Fame. It might not be the best football in the world. I don't think there's any debate about that. Well, by the well, time it's football we get to, on the 4th of July weekend. It's football on the 4th of July, and let's be real. The Stallions are going to be playing and probably, <laughs> probably playing against the Generals. So it's going to be a pretty good game. So 20 bucks is actually general admission, too. Club seat's only 40 bucks. That's Good totally worth it. That's why, yeah, that's why I, yeah, I, I like to hear. It's also because nobody wants to watch football championship live. <laughs> so forty bucks. Hey, if there's seats. anybody, uh, anybody from the USFL, if you give us press passes, uh, we will be there, and we'll pay for our tickets. Yes, Just give us press passes, and we'll show up. We'll pay the twenty dollars. <laughs> uh, going to the USFL review. From this past week, the New Jersey Generals beat the Tampa Bay Bandits 20-13. to This does put the Bandits a little on the outside looking in at a potential playoff berth. The New Orleans Breakers beat the Michigan Panthers. No surprise there, 31-27. to Michigan is actually putting up more of a fight than some of these other teams are. So hats off to them as being the best 1-16 in, in the uh, USFL. Because there's three of them. They're not alone. <laughs> Uh, the other two are the Maulers and the Gamblers. They both lost. The Maulers lost to the Birmingham Stallions 26-16. Surprisingly close game for easily the worst team in the USFL. And the Philadelphia Stars. undeniably the best, too. Uh, so. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the Philadelphia Stars won 35-24 over the Houston Gamblers. That was the last week they are going to be playing at, uh, at the new stadium. This week. They're going to be at Legion Field. The old Iron Lady. And the games look a little something like this. The 1-6 Maulers taking on the 6-1 Generals Friday at 8 p.m. on USA. Have I got a spoiler alert for you. <laughs> the Generals are going to win this one. 
easily the game everybody should watch if you want to watch any of them. Circle this one. Five and two breakers going against the undefeated home team Stallions Saturday at three o'clock on Fox. And then on Sunday, we have the one and six Panthers taking on the four and three stars Sunday at noon on Fox. Rounding out the weekend, the one and six gamblers versus the three and four bandits at 4 p.m. on the cock. Get ready for it. Get up for it. I know. I probably won't watch any of it. I don't really have excuses this week, though. Except for the except fact that there's going to be, there's gonna be some FCF playoff action is what I was going to say. Ah, uh, playoff games. Yes. But before we get there, let's talk a little oh. bit of news here. The People's Championship is going to be on June 11th. Tickets start at 20 bucks, but can go up a lot if you're willing to pay for uh, some extra bennies to come with. Yeah, I think it's like 80 bucks for a VIP experience, which I don't know what all that entails. But then The joint want... that the dude was smoking on the field. Well, it actually won't, and we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> uh, but if you want club seats, whereas the USFL club seats are 40 bucks, club seats for the FCF championship are going for like 1200 yeah, it is yeah. an absolute poll. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. VIP experience is 80 bucks. Right. Right. And the club seats are $1,200. I said that correctly. What? <laughs> if you if want to shell out some cash, you can go in style. If the FCF knows how to do one thing, it's marketing. Absolutely. <laughs> it makes you curious and makes you want to pay that just so you understand what it's what you get for it. No, I just want to pay the 80 for the <laughs> VIP experience. But it'll be down at Pullman Yards in Atlanta. Which... Where it's been all season. Right. Exactly. Perfect. So, Beautiful. So absolutely, if you have the opportunity to go, go do it. Now, you mentioned, <laughs> not by name, but Jason Stewart, former Zappers quarterback. I say former because he was cut by the FCF. Why? Because recreational marijuana use is not legal. Georgia. Therefore, use of marijuana at Pullman Yards or the FCF Hotel. I don't know what hotel they're staying at, but any use of marijuana, recreational or otherwise on their premises is, is a no-go. Not, not allowed. So, while they don't drug test, and if he had, you know, done it in a parking lot in the middle of Atlanta somewhere, said the same thing and had a celebratory joint after winning the game, nothing would have happened to him, but he did it on the field on camera and, uh, yeah, he's no longer playing in Which, the FCF. You know, that's the only way that I know his name. Right. Georgia got this one wrong. There, there it is. I'll say it. Georgia got this one wrong. <laughs> he, w- if it makes you feel better, he went to Memphis. And I didn't know his name before this either. Because so. <laughs> exactly. he was playing has... behind the sixty-eight-year-old. <laughs> no, he was playing behind Captain Lake, actually. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who was playing over the 68-year-old, literally. <laughs> FCF scores this week. The Kingpins won 24-20 to over Board 8 Football Club. For the first time ever, the Glacier Boys beat the Should Have Been Stars 28-20. Adoki beat Knights of Degen, Degen 36-30. And the Zappers clinched their spot in the playoffs 42-38. And that Which is terrible to me. I understand they got the divisions set up, but at the same time, the Knights of Degen have a better record than the Zappers. Oh, hold on. No, no, 
He said, if we're going by that, Miami should have got in last year, and, and the, the Washington Commanders should have been left out. No. I mean, Our, there's 32 teams versus eight. Right. I, yeah, but you still have two divisions, right? So, and that's why I support the way they're doing it. You're right. Uh, maybe make it more of the top two get in, then wild cards after that. That's something that you can look into. This um, is here's the thing, though. We're going to this model in college football anyway, right? We're getting rid of all these divisions. We're going to a one-two for conference championships, pretty much across the board. It seems like. Why not do that in the NFCF? You can have be, the top four teams. There because, are there is a separation between the top because four the fans and the haven't four. said they haven't. Yeah, because the, the fans team. voted on this. Yeah, I don't think the fans voted on it. Yeah, the fans didn't get the vote. Well, right. The only thing I love here is that the Zappers might be the streakiest team in the FCF. When they lose, they lose a bunch of them straight. But when they win one, they also win a bunch of them straight. They started over four. They had the same record as the Glacier Bulls. Yes, but how the tiebreaker broke out that they end up going to the playoffs. Right? Didn't didn't they beat the Glacier Boys though? They did. Yeah. They played them twice though. Same with Aoki and Knights of DJ. Yeah. Yeah. They won the head-to-heads. But, uh, yeah, because the only thing on the FCF website, the differential there is point differential. And so Knights of DJ is listed ahead of Aoki in the standings, even though Aoki made the playoffs and Knights of DJ didn't. Which, terrible. <laughs> It's probably a win and get in situation in that game this past weekend, though. Right. That's all I can figure. Right. Speaking of the playoffs, though, we've danced around it quite a bit. If you can try to catch them, check it out. 6 p.m. on Saturday will be Board 8 Football Club versus 8 Oki. And then Saturday at 8.30 will be Should Have Been Stars versus the Zappers. Should Have Been Stars at 4-3, and three, Zappers at 3-4. and four. Board 8 Football Club, the best record in the league. At four, five and two, and Adoki at four and three. It's going to be a good time. I am actually available. I think I should be able to watch. Nope, nope. Take that back. Probably won't. It's my anniversary. I haven't been able to watch. <laughs> Look, I want to say this is actually a perfect transition because when the SEF was playing earlier in the spring last year, but they started shortly after the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It was so easy, but the weather is getting nice. This past weekend right. was Memorial Day weekend. I had my class reunion. Yeah. I was out of town, and now my anniversary is coming up. Like I've got other stuff coming on as we get more and more into spring. That's why baseball is so popular because you can miss five games and not miss anything, right? <laughs> the XFL has officially announced their kickoff of February of 2023, and I can tell you this much: they are going to thrive playing in February. Because, yeah, the Super Bowl just happened, but a little a little mediocre, well, I'll call it mediocre, mediocre to good football. In February, you know, you're, you're just, it's kind of a good letdown from the NFL. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know that. The USFL best of the best to the mid of the mid. Yeah, and I don't really know <laughs> that the USFL would have had that same effect. I think the USFL actually did the, F- the XFL a favor. By starting yeah. as late as they did, because it probably would have left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Uh, and the XFL solely would have been thriving off of the name brand recognition that they have. But February 2023, check it out. They will be back. The coaches, they were announced April 13th. I don't know if we ever fully talk, talked about it. 
I, also I don't know, know that it did. was completely completely official. Maybe. I know we we covered a few, and maybe I'm getting a little bit confused with the USFL because I know we had that too, where they rolled them out right four two one one or something weird like that. So yeah, and the I'm, ones they saved for last were the ones I'd never heard of, and the ones they set up right up front were the guys that was like, oh, okay, I know that guy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So. I'm going to run through these coaches real quick, hit a little bit of their highlights, and I see Mike Tackett's comment here. We'll get to you momentarily, good sir. The head coaches are Reggie Barlow, former Virginia State head coach, Super Bowl 27 champion with the Buccaneers, Anthony Beck, Windgrass Ranch High School offensive coordinator, 27th pick. Yeah, a little bit of coming out of nowhere and, for, yeah. as far as coaching goes, but he had a 12-year NFL career, and yeah. he was 27th overall pick in the NFL draft in the year he was drafted. So, I mean, he has some experience. He knows how to play football. Just exactly. a little and bit I think, new to coaching. I think we can kind of say the same thing for a, a couple of the other guys, like Heinz Ward. He has a little bit of experience. Right. Coached at FAU as a wide receivers coach. Obviously, two-time Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl 40 and 43. And then Rod Woodson, 17-year pro, three-time Super Bowl champion, 30, 35, and 37. And, oh, by the way, that guy, Rod Woodson, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, so. Right. You don't know a thing or two about playing football. <laughs> and he, he has never coached before. Because he's, he's seen, seen a thing or two. <laughs> well, he's seen a thing or two because he's never coached before. He's been an analyst on NFL Network and Big Ten Network. So he has definitely seen a thing or two. He's called a game or two and never called plays for a game or two. Absolutely. I guess that's way got, too long. <laughs> we got Terrell Buckley, <laughs> former Ole Miss cornerbacks coach. That's the defensive back we're talking about here. Super Bowl 36 champion with the Patriots, Jim Hazlitt. Titans inside linebacker coach, 30-plus years, and two uh, Yeah, 30-plus years of coaching experience. Mm -hmm. I think he was at University of Buffalo, and then he moved up to a Power 5 school. But then he spent the rest of his time mostly in the NFL. He had United Football League. He, He tried to coach a team out there once. When that was a thing for a, a, was, like half bad. a month, and then there was a, there was another league that he tried to get into, but he made he went back to NFL, uh, and yeah, current linebackers coach, but he's been around for a while, uh, not as long as the next guy though. Yeah, Jim <laughs> uh, or Wade Phillips. I just read Jim has it. Jesus, Wade Phillips. Probably know him. He uh, he yeah. looks like uh, man. He's kind of a scary man to look at sometimes. Uh, former Rams defensive coordinator, 40-plus years coaching experience, 10 different NFL teams, two different FBS-level college teams. God damn. Yeah, this guy is an absolute yeah. legend. He has coached damn near everywhere in the NFL, it feels like, and 10 different yeah. teams. Yeah, it, it makes if sense. If you were a defensive player in the National Football League from 1980 to 2015, you were coached by Wade Phillips at some point. <laughs> yeah. Last but not least, this guy is a holdover from the first, from XFL 2.0. I guess it's yeah. XFL 3.0, 2.1, whatever you want to call it. Bob Stoops, and uh, you might remember his most recent coaching experience was uh, in the bowl game for Oklahoma. Uh, he right. came back to coach his previous college position there, and uh, – He's back in cool. the XFL this year. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's cool to see him keep his continuity up. I think the XFL is just something that he personally believes in, too. 
Uh, so I'd love to see that he's going to be back uh, at the XFL level, so to speak. And uh, I do want to get to this. We have one other XFL news story, but I told Mike we'd get here next. He says, happy June, boys. The NFL European League of Football, it's kind of the NFL Europe 2.0, starts this weekend. Can't wait to see Jim Tamasula resume coaching where it all started for him. Even better, week one of the NFL is only 99 days away. And, Mike, I got to say, I don't know how to watch the Elf, the ELF. <laughs> We've talked about it on the show very briefly before, too. We have. But I, I am very, very excited to try and see. Very excited. Tamasula? Whatever. I'm very excited. <laughs> Where'd you see. get Tamasula? I'm trying to get through this fast, man. We got a bunch of shit. I'm very excited to see. You done? You good? I'm very excited to see Jackson Irvin play for the Indiana Vikings. You make fun of me all the time for messing up names. <laughs> and this one's spelled out for you. <laughs> oh, man. Whatever. <clears throat> we talked about this a little bit last week with the kicking showcase for the XFL. There are six official showcases for players that they can try out all summer. Feels kind of early, but if you're not on an NFL camp, it's never too early to start trying to work your way back onto a professional roster in some way, shape, or form. So June 17th at the university, it will take place at the University of Maryland. June 19th at IMG Academy in Florida. This one might be interesting because I don't believe there is the same rule about playing in college uh, or being however old to enter the XFL like there is for the NFL. So that, that one could be interesting. As well as June 25th, McKinley High School in Honolulu, Hawaii. Then July 20, or July 16th, rather, at Jackson State University. July 22nd at Arizona State University. In July 24th, Choctaw Stadium in Arlington, Texas, which I assume is just a high school football field somewhere in Arlington. No. So it was actually built as the Rangers AAA Affiliate Stadium in the 80s. Uh, it just re- just got renamed this summer, uh, like a couple of days ago, I think. Uh, Choctaw Casino. Choctaw Nation. Choctaw Casino bought them. Uh, naming rights. So it's been used most recently as more like a soccer stadium. I think the XFL was able to use that stadium last year, XFL 2.0 was in a couple of games in that stadium as well. Wasn't so, it called Globe Life? Is that the, the old I name? think it was at one point in time, yes. So now it's Choctaw. Interesting. Well, that is it. That is all I had for non-NFL Pro News. And yeah, I would love to... Uh... It was Globe Life Field. Sorry, I, okay, I got sidetracked. Go. I had to check it out. Yeah. Um, that is all I had for non-NFL Pro News. We do have one more segment, and then uh, we have the return of a very popular segment here momentarily as well. So, hey, Doug, this this next segment's popular too, at I least with me. Pretty popular. <laughs> so we are doing an entire series of FBS previews ahead of the college football season. We're going to start with the independents, and we're going to go through another 10 weeks to one conference each week to talk about each FBS football team and what to look forward to this coming 
football season. At the same time, once we get closer to the season, we're going to start a division-by-division NFL review series at the same time, on the same shows. So stay tuned for all of this all summer long. There's going to be plenty to talk about. You're never going to want to miss an episode because, you know, when are we going to talk about your favorite college football team or your favorite NFL team? It's all going to be mixed in. We're all going to be talking about, you know, all summer long for each and every team. So this week is the FBS Independence. If you don't know, uh, Independence is not a conference. Independence means they're not aligned with any conference. So we're not going to be talking about conference championships or anything. We're going to be talking about Army, BYU, Liberty, New Mexico State, Notre Dame, UConn, and UMass. Now, a couple of those teams will belong to a conference next season. But they don't just yet. They're still independent for at least one more year. And I guess we should probably start off talking about each of their head coaches. Because I don't know about you, but I have been extremely impressed with Jeff Munkin at Army and the job he's done there. I mean, he's been all right. No, I'm kidding. Wow. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Munkin's done really good. Seeing him being the longest-tenured coach in the independents does not surprise me. The, the service academies have a tendency to lock onto a coach and hold them for as long as they want to stay. And a lot of these coaches do fall in with the discipline that these players have. They do fall in love with the ability, just the way they accept coaching. So it, they like staying there as well. Um, He's been making Army better. It actually made them a force in the Commander-in-Chief's trophy again. Uh, so that's been fun to see the resurgence of Army. I think it was what would have been his third or fourth season there uh, because it would have been 2017 when Army beat Navy for like the first time since 1993. Right. That's, that's outstanding. Right. Um, that's amazing all the way through. Man, he's not going anywhere, and I think that this uh, projected win total is a little low for Army, if I'm being completely honest this year. I'll throw this out here, too. The fact that he is the youngest tenured coach among the service academies, and I know we're not talking about all the service academies today, but if I had to pick between the three of them, he is absolutely who I'd be picking right now. Ken Nianakololo seems like he is going a little bit backwards, and yeah. Troy Calhoun is Troy Calhoun, so... Uh, right, I would have picked Ken just a couple of years ago, but after the exactly. past two seasons, yep. right, Navy's taken a hard exactly. slide, and Jeff exactly. Munkin has just done nothing but keep improving, and they did cap off last season with a win in the Armed Forces Bowl, which, you know, is the main bowl that they go to if they go to a bowl, so <laughs> good stuff. Uh, also love to see Kalani Satake sticking around at BYU as the head of the Big 12. He's getting a huge raise. Love to see that. Uh, and Hugh Freeze staying on at Liberty. Everybody else here, though, is a first-time head coach, at least for their respective school. Technically, I technically. honestly we'll get to you, don't know who I'm more excited to see between Jerry Kill and Jim Moore. I know. <laughs> I know. It's pretty wild. I'm I've got a soft spot for you. <laughs> All right. We've talked about it on the show before. It makes it, you know, it's no secret here. But Jim Moore coaching UConn, that is amazing. And just think, Jim Moore is about to be an FCS college football head coach, too. Like, that's insane to me. What? No love for Don Brown? Not, yeah, not that's, the same that's, way as these guys. 
That's that's what I expected. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I got to say, out of this, I do love the Marcus Freeman hire. That might be my favorite hire, favorite new coach. And I'm not just saying that because he's he's at Notre Dame. It has nothing to do with them being considered a Power 5 school from the independence. Uh, we'll call them ACC light. Um, They're an no, ACC for everything except football. Yeah. ACC light. Tradition. Right. I, I like this hire because he's been with a team that was a hot was a hire from within and he's got that defensive mind that I think Notre Dame needs to build that identity. It's something that they haven't really had a steady good tradition with, like at least in recent years. They're known for their offense right now. I'd like to see them be known for their defense. And uh yeah, Payne Bronco brings up a good point. Uh, Notre Dame is not ACC for hockey. Because the ACC doesn't have a hockey conference. They right. are in the Big They're Ten. ACC for everything that the ACC has, except for football. <laughs> and hockey's that way. too. They just have made-up conferences for stuff. Exactly. They really do. There's a Power what, Five in hockey, is, but really it's just right. five conferences. <laughs> um, I will say it's fascinating to me that UMass brought back Don Brown. He was the head coach at UMass from 2004 to 2008. And then did some other things, I guess, in the meantime. <laughs> he was back now. He used to be the defensive coordinator for the team up north and then was most recently the defensive coordinator for Arizona. Uh, Arizona was one of the absolute worst teams in FBS history last year. I'm yeah, feel comfortable saying that. And yet now he's the head coach at UMass. <laughs> hold, hold on, because – Neither of those two assignments you just talked about, being the defensive coordinator at uh, that team up north when he was, and being the defensive coordinator at Arizona recently, neither of those are stellar reviews. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, but UMass got their guy. They're really Good pushing. You. They're really pushing to double that win total from last year because they did go one and eleven. So at least at least double the wins. The whole Hugh Jackson model. Let's, let's see what we can do. Uh, so a couple of teams did have some big losses via the draft or even undrafted free agency. For example, I mean, BYU losing Tyler Algier back at running back. That's going to be a big impact. Of course, Malik Willis, Jack Cohn, anytime you lose a starting quarterback, your team's going to feel it. So Liberty and Notre Dame can have some pretty big QB battles this offseason. It'll be worth staying on top of. One that I don't think people will talk about enough. Yes, because it is the University of Connecticut, but also because he's that good of a player. Travis Jones, going in the third round to the Baltimore Ravens, made a ton of sense to me at the time. He's a fantastic player and also made at least part of that UConn defense terrible at times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's a pretty obvious one when your team's that bad and you do actually have somebody go in the draft. Um, right. Yeah, Especially in the top three rounds. Yeah, yes. it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> Hold on. Is this dude's name Sage Doxtator? Yes. <laughs> that is amazing. Sage Doxtator, uh, offensive tackle, formerly of the New Mexico State University Aggies. Is now on the New Orleans Saints as an undrafted free agent. You saw me losing it there. I appreciate you. I was yeah. I was reaching for whether it was Aggies or Lobos because I just no, don't care about New Mexico football. So <laughs> either New Mexico State or New Mexico, they're interchangeable to me. 
whatever. They're equally bad. It's okay. <laughs> I don't think New Mexico State has any notable alumni. New Mexico at least has Brian O'Reilly. You know, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. You can only um, have one. So recruiting classes, it's pretty lopsided, of course, in favor of Notre Dame as far as these independent schools go. Uh, only school to bring in a five-star. Uh, they also brought the 17 four-stars, right? They're of one course, of two, it's going to be yeah. a different level. But, say, they're one of two schools to bring in a four-star. Right. But as far as you know, the rest of college football recruiting is concerned, UConn and UMass put together some pretty poor classes. <laughs> uh, like, they were behind some FCS schools. So... I mean, um, not that good. No surprise, so um, was Army. Right, but Army yeah. has some different rules, so I don't really count them. Yeah. <laughs> You're not um, wrong. Yeah, Liberty did better than I expected they would, bringing in 11 three-stars. The only ranked players they were able to bring in. But that's that's pretty solid, considering it's Liberty. Well, and that so, was 11 of their 13 total, so that's a, that's a win. <laughs> right. Right. I'm honestly, I want to throw this out here real quick. I'm surprised Notre Dame only got one five star. I mean, 17 four stars is absolutely nothing to scoff at. Only one right. five star for a team that's supposed to have this great history. I look. I'm not saying that joining the conference will ever ele- help elevate that number. I don't know that it will. But I gotta imagine, knowing that you're gonna play Clemson every year, knowing that uh, you're gonna play Florida State, Miami every year, every couple of years. I feel like that would help bring in more five-star recruits, or am I just completely insane there? So you I are think completely a... insane because all the five-star recruits now go to Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, USC. That's like it. So nobody I... can, nobody else can get five stars right now. It's not their game's fault. I don't think doing anything would help it. The caveat I put here <laughs> too is forgot about I don't, I don't think Brian Kelly is, was a fantastic recruit to begin with. Yeah, um, fair. No, so, so I will say, actually, what Doug's saying there is being, you know, we're seeing the results of that right now. Notre Dame is number one currently in the 2023 recruiting class. Marcus Freeman's doing a lot better job than Brian Kelly did. So that they were still the number seven class in the nation in 2022. It's not like they're a bad team at all. They were still bringing really high quality right, talent. Right, right. But yeah, Marcus Freeman's better and doing better. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see a little bit of a difference. Going forward, um, surprising to me that New Mexico State was able to bring in 26 different players from high school. How did any any 26 combination of 26 high school players agree Look, to go to New Mexico on. State? Hold on, stop. <laughs> I scrolled down. How in the fuck did Don get a grad transfer <clears throat> to play quarterback for him? Yes. Like, I, I don't know if you have more to talk about recruits. I feel like I don't either. I, I don't really. Let's go ahead well, and touch the transfers. Shit. Yeah. How did that one happen? So Taquan Roberson, a grad senior senior out of Penn State, uh, basically a third stringer his entire time at Penn State, tried to find a place where he could actually start a game. And where did he go? The University of Connecticut. This is that incredible. <laughs> From third string in the Big Ten. Starting at UConn makes total sense to me. He's probably too good for UConn too. Let's be real. <laughs> like that's that's what I'm saying. Like I, you know, sure he was third string at Penn State, whatever. Right. 
Well, he, he was, was probably, third string, but then Will Levis transferred to Kentucky, too. So he was kind of technically the backup quarterback last year, but he never played. I'm saying he could have started at a group of five school. He could have started at a good majority of group of five schools, but he, he went to UConn. He went all the way to UConn. He wanted to stand out, man. Have you seen UConn's schedule this year? Doesn't have much state, so maybe not. Maybe he wasn't getting too much love in recruiting either. The big fish in transfers this offseason across Independence was Brandon Joseph going from Northwestern to Notre Dame. Huge. That's huge. As a true freshman, he was able to pretty much shut down that side of the field in his championship game, Big Ten championship game against Justin Fields. Like, Brandon Joseph's really good and will step into a role um, not exactly the same kind of safety as Kyle Hamilton, but essentially take over that side of the field and just he'll dominate. He will. He's great. So, you know, it's great for Notre Dame. It hurts Northwestern, but I've been hearing that they've got quite the recruiting class, and we'll talk more about Northwestern when we talk about the Big Ten. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't know how much this is going to hurt him. I think a player of his caliber doesn't really matter how good the recruiting class is going to hurt a lot, but I think Northwestern will still manage without him as much as you can lose a player like that. Can, so you brought up the quarterback going to UConn. I want to bring up the two guys from that school up north going to UMass. Well, so here's the deal. Don Brown recruited them when he was a defense coordinator. Uh, there, and they're now oh, so they're back trash. to play for Don Brown. Right. They were three stars <laughs> who had no business going to the team of North. So let's, let's be real. So, all right. This was a rolling meme when Don Brown was up there. He had a history of recruiting Massachusetts players. Why in the oh world my God, I can confirm that? players from Massachusetts. I have no idea. Massachusetts has never produced any good football players ever in their history. I I promise you. Look it up Get- since 1840. There's been no good college football players that have come out of Massachusetts. So, All right. This is on the viewers right now. You need to look it up. The Dougopedia <laughs> has issued a challenge. I'm sure there's been somebody played for Yale or something. Bullshit. 1890s. I, I would put money on it. It's probably a Yale Bulldog that had the best career out of, of Massachusetts high school history. But my point being, they're not known for great I have one. backs. I have one. Okay. Doug Flutie. You're going to call me on my sarcasm. He played for Boston College. Was he actually from Massachusetts, though? Natick, Massachusetts was his high school. Okay. Well, I don't. was, was he born there? No, he was. Oh, oh! Now we're changing the game. He was born in Maryland. He's not from Massachusetts. <laughs> he's he not was from rec- Massachusetts. He was recruited out of Massachusetts. That's not the same thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> born and bred Massachusetts boys. <laughs> I'm gonna make this so I have to be right. <laughs> and it works. So, George Johnson <laughs> and Sammy Faustin are both headed back to play for Don Brown. Now, for the Minutemen. So, very, very good times. Congrats, so guys. Is a guy leaving one of the independents? Yes. Micaiah? Micaiah Overton. And he's not very good. So, there's a lot of questions there. Why is he transferring from Liberty to Texas A&M? And I'll tell you why. It's because his brother 
is a five-star in the class of 2023, the number one overall recruit in the country. Uh, Lebus Overton. Levis Overton. I don't even know how you pronounce it. I think it's something really weird, and it's, it's a weird name. But he is the best prospect in the class of 2023. And apparently now he's going to be going to Texas A&M. <laughs> so, because <laughs> that's where his brother Micaiah went. And, yep, yep, that checks. <laughs> that's the way the Aggies do business. Got that oil money. Got that Micaiah Overton money. That's what we like to see. Fair. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> anyway, let's look ahead to the upcoming season, though, a little bit more. Some players to watch. Now, I'm going to have two guys listed here uh, for every school, for both offense and defense. I don't know how much we want to actually run through this entire list, but I do have some guys highlighted. I think will make some major impacts across, you know, just across the independence, I guess. Uh, Jared Patterson, of course, being the top one, I want to shout out. Center for Notre Dame. Yeah, I was going to say, this is the center he's, version, he's not right. the running back version. Right, Jared Patterson, the running back for Buffalo, is not in this list. You are correct. <laughs> uh, oh, they're actually, always to see how Clark Barrington plays as well. Right, right. Yeah. We've been high on Clark Barrington for two years now. So, excited I've, to see him now that he's draft eligible coming this coming year season yeah dude i bet oh that was first time i watched him play was against navy and i came to you guys and i was like guys i like well we, we found, also found, I found out the after, we found out after <laughs> that game that navy hadn't been having contact practices so that's not their fault or my fault i i didn't and, say it at was. the same time we kept watching clark Barrington and he kept <laughs> that's also very true <laughs> No, one one guy I'm interested in because I think he can make an impact here, but I don't know how much because there's a massive rotation. But it's going to be Tyrell Robinson out of Army uh, at that running back position. They're going to go through three or four a game. It's just a matter of how many times he gets the ball. He was the closest to breaking a thousand yards last year for Army, so I put him instead of anybody else. Oh, so he's yeah, it's, it's a good rotation. Yeah, and then you got. A wide receiver as the other army player, Isaiah yeah. Olson. Well, I know, I know the academies have been throwing more in the past couple of years than I think they had probably in Go. 25 years prior combined. So I, I get it, but at the same time, I, I have a hard time pitching to watch a receiver. Go from the academy watch too much. Go army watch Army Wake Forest and tell me he's not good. Army is no, I'm not saying he's good. not. Army has a quarterback that can air it out pretty well, too. He's not the greatest, but he gets the job done. I actually like this pick because the only other person I'm going to put up there for Army is their entire offensive line because that's always a unit to watch. Yeah, but they're also all like 190 pounds. That's that's why you watch them because they still (laughs) move mountains. Um, Michael Mayer, of course, one of the top prospects upcoming in next year's draft. Tight end out of Notre Dame, uh, being compared to some current NFL greats already. And he is just a true junior this coming season. Pretty impressive for him. Uh, also, do want to shout out Ellis Merriweather. Uh, if you're going to watch UMass, he's at least, you know, kind of interesting to watch. A little bit fun to watch running back down there. 
Uh, also, Rico Arnold is a lot better than anybody would realize because he plays for UMass. So, <laughs> uh, I don't think UMass is a very good football team. That's that's what we're taking away from this. <laughs> you don't say. From the defensive side of things, there is one greatest defensive player in the independence, and it is Andre Carter II out of Army. Absolute stud out on that field. He is very realistically... It's very... It's realistically possible he will be Army's first first-round draft pick since, like, the 1940s. 1960s. One caveat. He needs the Secretary of Defense to sign off on it. If he's a first-round pick, SecDef will sign that. I'm just throwing it out there. That's too good of marketing. Come on. If they're willing to sign off for UDFAs, we're going to sign off for a first-round pick. So so this is where the issue comes in, because it very much goes in waves. I've seen years where they approve everybody, and I've seen waves where you've had third-round draft picks out of Air Force – Weston Steelhammer is the name that comes to mind. I think he was late fourth, early fifth round projection, and they straight up said no. That same year, they had approved, um, oh, what was his name, out of uh, Navy. Not Malcolm Perry, year before. Keenan Reynolds? Yeah. So it's yeah. it's tough. It, it comes in waves. You never know. It depends on what day the wind's blowing when that letter comes across I'm their desk. default what General Pete Dawkins said on this very podcast. I agree with it. If they have the talent, let them play. There's a program right. for it, so 100%, right. I'm with you. Yeah, and if you're going to let anybody play the NFL football out of the service academies, you would think it'd be a guy with a name like Wesley Steelhammer. But it right? didn't happen, so. <laughs> I'm so mad for him. <laughs> anyway, moving on from Andre Carter. Fantastic player. Uh, Isaiah Foskey is actually projected to be really good. Uh, He was pretty good last year, but we're expecting to be really good this season. Of course, we already talked about Brandon Joseph. I mean, that Notre Dame defense should be solid. Again, Marcus Freeman coming in. Tug's excited for it. I'm kind of excited for it, too. And I get to see it very, very early in the season. Coming to the shoe. Whew, good stuff. Uh, Deshaun Ross for UMass is actually uh, another former Teton player uh, <laughs> who transferred before this season. So he just kind of lucked into playing for Tom Brown again somehow. Did, did he or did he actually lose? Like, let's be real here. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Uh, Treshawn Clark should make Liberty's defensive line pretty good all by himself, honestly. Um, <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't ready for it. I that wasn't, wasn't ready. That wasn't supposed to be as much an insult to Liberty as it came out as. It was a little bit of a compliment to Treshawn Clark, but I understand why you're laughing. It was just perfect. And honestly, the best corner in this entire group of schools that we're talking about today is out of New Mexico State University, which is a very weird sentence to say. Are you serious? (laughs) 
His name is Cyrus. <laughs> Not Cyrus. His name is Cyrus Dumas. No, no, no that's definitely dumbass. <laughs> okay, let's just lean into it. His name is Cyrus Dumbass. <laughs> Cornerback from New Mexico State University. Sure. And this will probably be the only time you hear his name because I know I'm not fucking watching the Mexico State. <laughs> Just because you said that, I hope he gets drafted by the Bears. <laughs> I will buy a dumbass jersey if he does. <laughs> so that's the independence for this comic season. Now it's time for our projections. For the actual conferences, we will have a conference championship pick as well. But for independence, I guess let's just pick like who we think is going to have the best record. Maybe the top two best records uh, out of all these independent schools. And I want to start us off because I was looking through BYU's schedule. That looks crazy difficult to me. And I don't see them cracking the top two of the independence this year just because of how hard that schedule looks to me. I would say Army probably has a great chance. That offense looks really solid. And Andre Carter's still there. Uh, I would say Army and Notre Dame would be battling out for the best record out of the independent schools this season. And that's with me giving Notre Dame automatically like two losses playing Ohio State and BYU. I mean, this even if I think BYU's going to be the better team, I think Notre Dame will end up with a better, a better record overall. Um, yeah, I guess that was uh, kind of where I struggled with it because Notre Dame has a bunch of tough games still, though. Right. And I, I think that's my thing, though, is when you look at – when you compare Notre Dame and BYU's schedule, yeah, BYU has a tough schedule, but I would not want to play half the teams that Notre Dame's having to play. Whereas I think Notre sure. Dame would probably do better on BYU's schedule than BYU would do. My point is, though, that I think BYU is going to do just fine on their schedule and have the best record of the independents. And then behind them, I actually have Army. Uh, just based on what they've done the past couple of years. Yeah, I got to be a little biased here, boys. Um, <laughs> That's fair. No, That's honest, fair. honestly, I looked at this and I was like, damn, I like both of your picks. I want to be different. So well, I went too and, different. Yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to put UConn and UMass there. I'm not stupid. It's the same combination of three teams. But in yeah, different let's orders. Be, let's be real. Number four for all of us. <laughs> if I had to guess, I haven't talked to you guys about this previously. If I had to guess, number four for all of us is Liberty. Liberty. Right. 100%. Yeah, I mean, like, no, it's the same. Comp- the question is, what order these top three teams finish? Yeah. I'm going to give it to Notre Dame because I like what Marcus Freeman's going to do. I think BYU is going to be solid. And I'm going to default and give Army two losses. Um. <laughs> To Air Force and Navy, and that that moral that demoralization is going to kill them. You um, could you could very <laughs> fairly give them one loss to Air Force. I I would not argue that. I don't see them losing to Navy though. I yeah, don't see. I, it. I mean, I, I don't I don't, we'll I don't see. see it. But here's the thing, Ben. It's a, it's a true that is the true rivalry game. You can't predict that. You don't know who's showing see, up on the field you, that day. You could have said that last year too, and they did lose to Navy. This pre this past Army Navy game. Yeah, I mean anything's possible. Uh, so I would say I think BYU and Notre Dame are by far the two best teams out of this group, but Army has an easier schedule. 
So it'll yeah. be a, it'll be a battle between those three for the best record for sure. Um, <laughs> UMass and UConn, they're fighting to get the like three first... wins. That would be a huge victory. Throw New Mexico on the State in there too. Throw New Mexico State in there. You've got yeah. you've got the yeah. three top teams. You've got the three bottom teams, and then there's and then, Liberty. Yeah, <laughs> then, like, who very well could be way at the bottom or fighting near the top. I mean, that, <laughs> right, that, right. No idea with them. Even with Malik Willis, they went eight and five last year. So I know. We'll see what happens. Liberty's all over the place for multiple reasons. Why they have a few, few freeze? That makes no sense to me. Anyway, <laughs> so that's the independence. We will have every conference going forward. Next week will be Conference USA. Oh, so stay tuned for that. Right now, we're getting back. Time. A segment we haven't had in a few weeks. Oh, Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for brand new bracket. Let's see how what today's bracket unfolds. I was just letting myself what sing for a little bit. We do. It's too beautiful voice. I appreciate that. It hasn't happened since that's bracket time. I'm so tired of that clip. We gotta change that. Well, I have no desire to change it. <laughs> so we are introducing a brand new bracket this very episode. And what is that bracket going to be? It's going to be Power 5 stadiums. Now, we're not just doing the actual members of Power 5. We're also doing the teams who are coming up to the Power 5 very soon, and we're including Notre Dame in this, too. Because, it, for one reason, it makes it a very nice 69-team bracket, nice. which... Nice. Beautiful. So, what that means, though, is we're about to have a full oh. field of 64. After really? we have a couple of play-in games this week to preview what this bracket will look like. Go for it, bud. The uh, the real behind-the-scenes answer, too, is by the time we get around to doing some of the other classic stadiums, like Rice has one of the most classic stadiums right. in college football. Right. And the Liberty Bowl is about to undergo, undergo a bunch of renovations. That's going to catapult them up. Fris, or Fresno State has a very nice stadium. You look around the group of five. I, I mean, look at Falcon Stadium, West Point, Navy in Annapolis, right? Right, those are we some aren't... pretty awesome stadiums. So we will do group of five stadiums at some point. By that time, we will have to throw Sam Houston in there, right? All the teams coming up to the other, uh, the group of five as well. And uh, Cincinnati won't be in there. As a right, manager. exactly, exactly. Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and BYU are all included in this bracket, along with Notre Dame. So it's, I think it's the Power Five plus five. Nice round numbers for you. Yeah, nice 69. Nice. (laughs) But that does mean we have five play-in matchups this week, and then we will start voting on our social medias next week. So stay tuned on our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those locations. I have an idea, and I think it's where you're going, Ben. If our listeners are on with us, and they want to vote real time, I will take their vote into consideration. Well, I wasn't even going to say that. I, I was just going to say we have these be the ones that we vote on next week. I don't know. Just kind of, we're kind of intro. We didn't really do an in, a proper intro to the bracket last week. We were still figuring out what all we were doing. Give them a I little, mean, I, little piece test here. I don't want to do that, though, because we're coming up. If As long as this bracket's going to be, we're going to be button up on the couch from all season. So we're going to want a different bracket by then. 
The whole like offseason is going to be stadiums. I feel like this is a perfect lead into the college football season. Dude, this is some real behind this the scenes. Live nonsense. on the air. We pulled the curtain back. Yeah. <laughs> High fourth wall. Wow, way to go. <laughs> so, all right, I guess that's. I guess that's I'm good with that. I was, I was prepared to debate these stadiums right now, but we have a couple people listening to us live. Are you guys ready for us to debate some of these stadiums right now? Or. Would you like to see us hold off and get your votes on social media? So, so Doug, while we're waiting for chat to respond here, I do want to point out um, the University of Cincinnati doesn't have a nickname for its stadium. That's okay. I would like to propose, because it's the little brother of Ohio Stadium, I would like to propose the mini shoe. No. No, we're good. We're all the way good on that. It's the same shape. I feel like they went with that because of Ohio State. That's because what I'm saying. Prior to that, they had been playing at Auburn Stadium. The Here's mini the deal, shoe. though. There are a lot of stadiums that are built that way. It's I not mean, because of Ohio State. Yeah, but not all of them are in Ohio. Look at, a, look at Wallace Wade Stadium. Right. For example. Right. Just look saying. at, I don't know, Memorial Stadium in Bloomington. Look at, I don't know, half the stadiums in the country. <laughs> so, if you're going to call it anything, you can call it Kids Shoe. Maybe, maybe I'm that's down a little with bit that. better. No, I'm down with that. <laughs> I will say the uh, biggest disappointment is that they don't have black turf. I saw a mock-up for that. I think it was just a fan design. I loved yeah. it. I absolutely loved it. That would but be brutal, Fuck, though. that would be miserable at the start of the season. Be they would have to play it now. Brutal. There would have to be an indoor stadium at that point, right? I mean, no yeah. way you could really do that outside live. Um, but we're not getting any responses to our question, which means I'm going to go with my original plan, and we're going to talk about these stadiums. <laughs> uh, so the, the five play-ins, we're going to have this, – this entire bracket is seeded by capacity. So, yes, that does mean the big house is the number one seed in this bracket. And as an Ohio State fan, I was okay with that because it made logical sense. It is one of the best stadiums in the country. Let's be real. So, that means the bottom 10 stadiums are in these play-in games. And the bottom 10 by capacity. I'm not saying Nippert Stadium is a bad stadium. I'm not saying... That Vanderbilt Stadium is a bad stadium. I'm saying those stadiums are small, so we're going to talk about them first. And we'll do that right here, right now, starting with Duke University's Wallace Wade Stadium up against Nippert Stadium for the University of Cincinnati. Now, who's, who's, who's opening? Either <laughs> one of you. Feel free. I so got to say, go ahead. Nippert Stadium, obviously the newer of the two. And we already, I already kind of touched on it a little bit. They opened this stadium up because they got tired of playing at Paul Brown Stadium downtown. They wanted to have their own place. It's on campus. They built some pretty good you are misremembering. To be honest with you. Because Nippert Stadium was built in 1915. So it was <laughs> renovated. In, what, right. It was renovated in 2015. Uh, most recently, and there were some 
there were some pretty major renovations, but technically the stadium was built in 1915. It's been around for a long time. Either way, they, they've done some great things to the stadium. They've, oop, did not mean to do that. They've <laughs> done some pretty great things to the stadium, as you can see kind of from this overhead view. They've added in some interesting traditions with the light show at night games when they score a touchdown. They don't have to do fireworks like everybody else. And really, the, the whole light show thing was at the start when Georgia and everybody else started doing light shows. So it wasn't overplayed or anything like that. They were on the front edge, edge of that. Meanwhile, you got Duke University. The Walls Way Stadium looks great. I couldn't tell you anything about it. There's nothing about Walls Way Stadium that perceives <laughs> itself the way that uh, Nippert Stadium does. What gets me here is there's no question that Duke is still a basketball school that pretends to have a football team. Sometimes they're okay. But Cincinnati's really trying to make a name for itself as a football first school. And you can see that in the stadiums. I don't know the last time that Dukes was renovated. Again, it's that same horseshoe type design that we were just talking about. Um, I don't know. I, I'd lean University of Cincinnati here. It looks a little bit cleaner. It looks like it's a little bit newer. Even though it is older, it's been renovated more recently. So, Also incorrect. <laughs> well, damn, all right. Duke Stadium was renovated most recently in 2016, so one year after. Uh, it was built in 1929. Been around quite a while. I think one thing that will swing you, Tug, Duke has natural grass, but Cincinnati has an artificial turf Ooh. surface. Uh, at the same time, I do at the same time, for natural grass. At the same time, Nippert Stadium looks way better to me. I mean, that's just like a that feels like a football stadium, way more than whatever that curved nonsense is that Duke has going on. <laughs> uh, I think I think Cincinnati has to take this one. I fully sorry. I'm just realized that I could scroll to the right on our sheet here, and nice. I'm learning things that might have helped me in this argument. That's, that's really cool. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we do have Vanderbilt Stadium and Tadeku. <laughs> Touchdown ECU Stadium. Absolutely. Touchdown ECU. That makes total sense. <laughs> That's what I'm uh, yeah, so I guess I'll start us off because you guys don't know when these were built. Clearly. <laughs> I had to jab in somewhere. Uh, Vanderbilt Stadium was built in 1922, most recently renovated about 10 years ago, 2012, as opposed to Houston's Stadium, which was built in 2014. Really one of the newer stadiums that we're going to see in this entire bracket. Uh, 2014's pretty darn recent for an FBS stadium. Yeah, I honestly love Tadeki. Uh, worth mentioning, they also use it, uh, or used it for the XFL last time. Stadium gets a lot of great use. It's a smaller stadium. That is kind of a knock on it for me. And it it's not really that appealing to the eye. And I know it's not entirely fair that the overhead shot I have of Vanderbilt Stadium is with fans in the seats. And I swear they've got to be Photoshopped in because who the fuck goes to a Vanderbilt football game? Well, you can see the bleachers still through the fans. Yeah, so that's, that's all right. 
Maybe that's uh, an Alabama yeah. game. That's that's why it's red. <laughs> yeah, potentially. <laughs> uh, again, they've got the horseshoe design here, whereas Houston has more of a full. I don't know. I like. Man, this is tough. I would. I will go out on a limb here and say Vanderbilt Stadium is the nicer of the two stadiums in Nashville. But at the same time, I think the Deku is the nicer of the two stadiums in Houston as well. So I'm still back at square one. Uh, both of them have an artificial turf surface, so can't help you out, Tug. You're on your own. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking at that like, what the hell is Shaw Sports Legion Forty Six? <laughs> that would be an artificial turf. If it doesn't say grass, it's a turf. Look, at least it's not astroturf. <laughs> right, right. That would be wild if anybody did that for real. Bro, it's here. in it's in the bracket. We're talking about it today. I know. So, <laughs> I think Houston's stadium is. I like the design of it, and I think Vanderbilt is like it's too traditional to the point where it almost hurts a little bit. So, and I think that's the other thing too, though. I think Houston is almost too modern, if that makes Maybe. sense. Because it, it's, it, it has no... And again, this is why I hate that I wasn't able to find a empty photo of Vanderbilt Stadium. But it's so modern, it just kind of blends into the buildings around it too, right? I, I don't know. I, I will say... I like that Houston went, built the new stadium, put it on campus. They have a stadium they can absolutely sell out. And, you know, I, right. if anything, the one thing I can say that will definitely tip it in their favor is their biggest sellout was a game against Memphis in 2015. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Houston won that game. So. I think you're going to be the decider here, Doug. Who are you really going with here? I know you're a tradition guy, but this is still a tough matchup. No, it is. And it, it, it is because neither really wow me in any kind of way. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um, Vanderbilt isn't really known for its football. That's what I'd be looking at here is what are the traditions around the game. I don't think any of these really have any yet. Houston's still too new to have any true traditions with it. That's not true. Not Houston used to football. Be, no, not Houston stadium. football. The oh, that's fair. Yeah, that's entirely The fair. stadium. Because when you build a new stadium, typically you change, like you said, Cincinnati renovated their stadium and put a new light show in. Like, this this really is a tough one. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Houston because they didn't at least fake what their their fake turf was. They they tell you that it's synthetic turf and not I, I, what wild wild reasoning. I respect it. <laughs> In true bracket time fashion, absolutely wild. No logic reasoning. Love it. Perfect. <laughs> you can see how well we prep for it and why I was pushing to do this next week. But as it sits, Houston's moving on. Get out of here with that nonsense. We're doing it right now. <laughs> Next up, we have Boston College up against Wake Forest. A little bit of ACC action for you. Oh, Alumni Stadium with the AstroTurf, baby. Oh. <laughs> God, I hate it. 
uh, built in 1957, most recently renovated in 1995. It's been a minute for Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts. Uh, Wake Forest, uh, on the other hand, uh, Truist Field, that's a relatively new name, but it is a pretty old stadium as well, 1968, and most recent renovation was 2007. Uh, yeah, so AstroTurf versus Field Turf, that is, wow. That is else. brutal. <laughs> I don't think this is like the the OG AstroTurf, though, where it's literally just a carpet. I think this is, you know, more modern AstroTurf. I mean, yeah, it's, it's essentially it, the same thing as Field Turf, but it's still called AstroTurf, which is yeah, it's just a different brand. To do that. It's just a different brand. It's all brand recognition. I'm going to default here to I've watched games from both stadiums on television and on TV. Wake Forest is just better to look at because really yep. there's not a ton that separates the two of them. They're both pretty old. They both have a lot of tradition. Shitty feet, shitty playing surfaces. Um, I don't, I, I, in, I enjoy the sight lines from the cameras better for Wake Forest. And really that's kind of a horrible reasoning to go with here. Um, that's, that's what I'm stuck with. We, we don't wait for these college teams to play in the Idaho Famous Potato Square. Uh, we wait for them to play in the Idaho Famous Potato Bowl. I'm sorry, I, I do not like the sharp edges out at, out at Boston College. It really annoys me. That crisp curve of that natural bowl shape that um, they have at Wake Forest, that classic bowl stadium, that's why I like. I'm going Wake Forest here. Yeah, I agree for pretty much all the same reasons. Wake Forest just has a better stadium all around. Totally. Uh, so next up, moving right along. <laughs> uh, Amon G. Carter Stadium down at TCU up against Reeser Stadium for Oregon State. Uh, so a little bit of information about these stadiums. TCU built their stadium in 1929. Uh, most recent renovation was in 2012. And it's going up against Reeser Stadium, the smallest stadium in this bracket, built in 1953. Most recent renovation was 2005. I'm concerned. Okay. How is your max capacity 26,000? And you had a sellout crowd of 47,249. Yeah. That's called standing room only. <laughs> That's not going to change what I say here, though. Um, there's a couple reasons I'm going with this. Uh, honestly, you build for, for the level that you can sell out, and I still think Oregon State's a little overbuilt. Um, <laughs> Brutal. But but here's the thing. Here's what's going to take it for me. Sometimes you get into good nicknames, like Duckface Beaver Carnage being an excellent rivalry name nickname. Man, Hell's Half Acre. I don't. I don't know if you could beat that. For me personally, at least at the, this stage of the bracket, that alone, Hell's Half Acre is going to carry TCU for me. You know, I honestly was leaning Oregon State and Research Stadium because it doesn't look like it's the smallest stadium in this bracket. It doesn't even look like the smallest stadium of the ones that we've done today. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't see how you're beating Hell's Half Acre. Like that, that alone wins it for TCU on this for me. Even though there's, yeah, there's probably a couple things aesthetically. I just like the look of Oregon State better as well. So, uh, see, and I don't. I think I don't unless, either. Unless you have a geological reason 
to go asymmetrical. Just yep. make it symmetrical 100%. if you can on either side, like main long side of the field. It, it should be symmetrical to me. But you well, know, and we're not, we're not talking about uh, we're not talking about Clemson today, but. Clemson Memorial Stadium has that similar uh, deck structure. Right, and it sucks. And I, I hate it. No, I, I absolutely love it. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. Clemson. Get out of here. We'll, we'll leave it at that. TCU's moving on. Yeah, TCU's, TCU's moving on for sure here. Uh, that leaves us with our last matchup of the day. The newly named FDC Mortgage Stadium, or UCF. And it's going up against Martin Stadium, Washington <laughs> State University. Okay, hold on. Who chose this overhead photo of it? Because it makes it look so small. It looks I mean, flat. It is small. Yeah, it is and small. Yeah. Florida, Florida is very flat, so it's kind of accurate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, FBC. I know it says FCB here, but I think it is <laughs> FBC. Mortgage Stadium was built in 2007. And it's been being worked on ever since. <laughs> Washington State's Martin Stadium was built in 1972 and most recently renovated in 2000. That is a typo on my part. I apologize, everybody. Uh, man. Go, go ahead. I. No, I just. For me, again, when you're looking at the structure of it, I get what you guys are saying. I know it's a limited capacity stadium. It's just, I don't know if it's the angle of the picture. It just doesn't look like it has the rise that a am used to seeing in a 44,000-seat stadium. It, it doesn't. That's and, the thing. And that's just pushing me towards what I want to do here, which is even just based off the looks, I like the look of Washington State more. I, I'm going to go Martin Stadium here. You moved Although the on Bounce House TCU. is a fantastic nickname. Right, you moved on TCU because of their nickname, and UCF has a way better nickname. That's really I don't know, I take Hell's Half Acre over Bounce the, House. The Bounce House is, bounce uh, house is something else. Right, so let's, let's keep in mind that Bounce House Entertainment, apparently, is who had the naming rights last season. So it was just the Bounce House. That was the name of the stadium, which... You know, Hills Half Acre is a great nickname, but the nickname literally became the official stadium nickname for at least a year. It might have been two years. It hurts me to say that because I really don't like UCF. And the other thing about the Bounce House nickname is their stadium actually fucking shakes. Kind of yes. like Kyle Field whenever everybody's <laughs> doing the sawing motion in the stands. But this time with only play. like 30,000 people. <laughs> exactly. So... <laughs> It also brings me back to how safe is it to fucking watch a game there, right? Um, it is legitimately tough for me because I do think I prefer Central Florida and FBC Stadium to Martin Stadium. Uh, man, then, I don't know. Dude, then send it because you guys are convinced me but the more you talk about it. like, And I think – I do think the picture is a bit of an optical illusion to me because – that And that's one what I'm of hoping. Those, it's a it's a loud stadium. It's a tough place to play, and it's because of how the stadium's designed. Even if that overhead picture doesn't do it a lot of favors, you can definitely tell uh, from the bottom picture. It's definitely got some rise to it. So, 
Man, I, yeah, I think I'm gonna go with FEC Mortgage Stadium. You know, actually, this is this is wild. Um, Martin Stadium is field turf. UCF's got that Bermuda grass, dude. Oh, like I said, you guys were already convinced me. You just gave me a, <laughs> gave me the key part there. So the brand newly named. FBC Stadium down at UCF. The bounce house is going to be moving on. Yeah, I don't know how much longer. I don't know how much longer any of these stadiums will be in this bracket. I have a bad feeling for all of them that they will probably lose in the very next round. But at the same time, it's fun to highlight some of these smaller stadiums because you know we don't normally talk about them. So, with that being said, that's our last matchup of the day today. That's all of our play-in matchups. That's the kind of conversation we're going for. If you have anything else you want to talk about in this bracket, let us know if there's a specific aspect of the stadium that you really love as you're voting on it. Shout that out in the comments. Be a part of the conversation too. We'd love to have you on. So We will have voting for some other stadiums next week. Stay tuned. See what those matchups are going to be. Because, uh, you know, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, you know how to find us by this point. If you think BDT football, you can pretty much find us anywhere. Big dudes in the trenches on Twitch. But everywhere else, pretty much BDT football. And uh, that's breaking time for you. And I believe that's our show as well. Unless you guys have something else you want to throw in there. I definitely want to throw out here that we will be more prepared to talk about all these stadiums moving forward. I was 100,000% not prepared for it this week. Um, I've been running around all day myself. So yeah, that was blatantly obvious. Yeah, it was was a long weekend and a hell of a lot of work all came crashing down on a happy hump day here. Um, But, you know, I I was home this weekend and I got to see my dad for a couple minutes. He's recovering from COVID. and uh, He told me a joke about boxing. But I guess I missed the punchline. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is clearly all the time we have on the show today. Thank you for watching and or listening. And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win the trenches.